My name is Seth Bostead, and today I have a very eclectic program. In fact, about as eclectic as we can get, because I'll be reaching into the mailbag and pulling out several CDs that have been sent to us by composers and performers. There are a lot of performers out there that are crazy about contemporary classical music, and I'd like to feature one such group called the Palisades Virtuosi. This CD is called the New American Masters Volume 4, and New American Masters is an interesting series they do in which they commission new works from a variety of different composers, and they've also given the world premiere of these works at their concert series in Ridgewood, New Jersey. The piece I want to feature is called Whirlwind, and it's by Korean composer Soonbin Kim. I'm going to read just a little bit about it from the program notes. The composer writes, I named it Whirlwind after the fast flourishes in the opening flute solo that had been the starting point of my piece, which is reminiscent to me of a whirlwind. I worked this beginning idea into the theme flavor that I would base this piece on an agile but light and at times ethereal texture of the sound. Let's have a listen. Whirlwind, performed by the Palisades Virtuosi. Thank <laughs> you. 
Whirlwind by composer Soon Bin Kim, performed for us by the Palisades Virtuosi. That's Margaret Swinchowski on flute, Donald Mokrinski on clarinet, and Robert Levy on piano. Well, the Whirlwind started in the flute in the very beginning with the flute solo, but then it goes into the clarinet, and the composer does a great job of blending the clarinet and flute. As far as I could tell, the piano's role was, was mainly to drop those low bombs <laughs> periodically. A nice piece, Whirlwind by Soon Bin Kim. I'm going to turn now to a new disc on the EMI Classics label. This is trumpeter Allison Balsam, and the disc is called Seraph, which is also the title track of the first piece by James McMillan, written for trumpet and string orchestra. In the liner notes, Andrew Walker writes, Echoes of the past sound through James McMillan's Seraph. Its brisk opening is initially informed by Shostakovich in martial mood, before being enriched by the appearance of a cantabile trumpet tune and a canny misquote of Haydn's trumpet concerto. That canny misquote that he's alluding to is, is pretty easy to hear. Let's have a listen to just a little bit of Bud Herseth and the Chicago Symphony Orchestra playing the Haydn trumpet concerto. hear how composer James McMillan transforms that Haydn quote in the first movement of Seraph for Trumpet and String Orchestra, performed for us by Alison Balsam on trumpet and the BBC Scottish Symphony Orchestra, conducted by Jonathan Morton. Thank you. 
Movement one of Seraph by James McMillan for Trumpet and String Orchestra on a new disc by trumpeter Allison Balsam. Well, I think you can hear that uh, the Haydn is more than just a canny misquote. Um, it may begin as a misquote, but uh, McMillan quickly starts to develop that and it becomes the basis of pretty much the whole movement. But it's very interesting the way that he's able to, um, to kind of turn it upside down. He keeps it in the strings as an accompanimental pattern, then it shows up in the trumpet, um, it kind of weaves through the texture in, in both instruments, because I think of the orchestra in that case as one instrument, as an accompaniment, and the trumpet as as the other. Well, we get a lot of CDs in the mailbag, as I said before, and uh, the next one is something of a mystery. There's a lot about this CD that's quite intriguing. The CD cover itself is is all black, um, except for the text, the title of the piece, and the composer. And then in the upper right-hand corner is is a single asterisk, (laughs) for some reason, in white, uh, the name of the orchestra is called Orchestra de l'Invisible, <laughs> uh, the Invisible Orchestra. The uh, label is um, looks like uh, several Greek letters all in a row, quite unpronounceable to me. <laughs> um, so I, I was intrigued by the CD right away and uh, started listening to it immediately. And then um, reading a little bit more about it, it's uh, by composer Jason Wright Wingate. It's his Symphony Number no. 2. It's subtitled Kleetuden. In German, Etuden means Etudes. And um, each of these pieces is based on a painting by the famous painter Paul Clay. So Claytuden then becomes a pun, Etudes on Clay. We're going to listen to three of these Etudes. Uh, Movement number one, movement of the vaulted chambers. Movement number four, the twittering machine. And movement number seven, hermitage. Let's have a listen to the Invisible Orchestra performing Jason Wright Wingate. Thank you. 
Three etudes on the paintings of Paul Clay by Jason Wright Wingate on an interesting new disc um, that uh, just arrived here at the Relevant Tones show. Again, kind of a mysterious disc. Um, Don't know much about this invisible orchestra. Um, Don't know much about the label that it's on, Um, but you can check out his website. Again, his name is Jason Wright Wingate. I'm going to turn now to something completely different. Um, This is a new disc by the saxophone quartet Sonic.Art. And uh, this is a piece by composer Michael Nyman, who is primarily known for his film scores. You may know his score for the movie The Piano. Uh, This is a bit different um, piece. This is a saxophone quartet that he was working on in 1992. And then uh, from the liner notes, it says, On the afternoon of January 5th, he learned of the death of his friend Tony Simmons. While still grieving over his friend, he composed the music that would later become the fourth movement of the quartet. I'm going to play the first and the fourth movements because I think there's a real dichotomy here. The first movement is really upbeat, kind of minimalistic in its style. And uh, for the fourth movement, you can really clearly hear that the composer is grieving. Let's have a listen to Michael Nyman's Songs for Tony. Thank you. 
Two movements from Songs for Tony by composer Michael Nyman, performed by the Sonic.Art Saxophone Quartet. Saxophone Quartet is becoming a more and more common ensemble, and I think it's really easy to hear why. There's, a, there's an intrinsically nice blending to the sound, and uh, Nyman takes advantage of that very well in that piece. I was very pleased to see the next disc show up um, in the mailbox. This is on the Bridge Records label, and um, I have to say that pretty much anything Bridge does is, is going to be interesting for sure. This is guitarist David Starobin's label. Um, he's worked a lot with George Crumb. Bridge Records has done a lot of stuff of um, composer George Crumb, and they just have a, a, a really interesting offbeat sensibility, always experimental, always interesting. may not like everything on the Bridge Record label, but it'll never be boring, <laughs> that's for sure. I'm going to play a wonderful piece by composer Ronald Roxbury called Crazy Jane and just read a couple quick sentences from the liner notes. Anyone who worked with or otherwise knew Ronald Roxbury will smile broadly at the mention of his name. A more exuberantly creative person never lived, nor did the 70s musical avant-garde have a more joyous voice. Let's have a listen to Crazy Jane with poetry by Dale Driscoll. herself between the trees and scream at trucks passing by. Mothers ran to get her out. Crazy Jane smiled at the passing geese. She'd always sit where the highway bends and look caterpillars in the eye. Truckers stopped to pick her up. Crazy Jane smiled at the passing wind. When the night came out and parents died, she'd catch the moon with her guitar. Children counting out the stars stopped to hear her lullabies. The bishop stole crazy Jane one night and brought her to a pilgrim I hope you enjoyed that piece as much as I did. Um, that's Crazy Jane by Ronald Roxbury. Kind of a one-of-a-kind piece there. And uh, again, I'm, I'm looking at the liner notes and was reading them while listening with you. And I'd like to read the poem because it, I don't know if you caught all the words there, but it's, it's quite an, an amazing poem. She'd wedge herself between the trees and scream at trucks passing by. Mothers ran to get her out. Crazy Jane smiled at the passing geese. 
She'd always sit where the highway bends and look caterpillars in the eye. Truckers stopped to pick her up. Crazy Jane smiled at the passing wind. When the night came out and parents died, she'd catch the moon with her guitar. Children counting out the stars stopped to hear her lullabies. The bishop stole Crazy Jane one night and brought her to a pilgrim state. She sings her song to the flies on the wall or sits there smiling with all her might. It's a great poem. Nice rhyme scheme. Uh, really, really interesting lyrics. And I love the way that Roxbury sets it to music. There's this kind of drunken, off-kilter sound with those crazy glisses and uh, all the other things that are going on in the percussion there. Um, apparently it was notated on a one-line staff, and um, a lot of it is, is improvised as well. But um, Starobin, who wrote the liner notes on the CD, maintains that the composer has uh, strict control over the piece nonetheless. Crazy Jane, Ronald Roxbury. You're tuned into Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. Today we're featuring a veritable cornucopia of new CDs sent to us by labels, by our fans, performers, all the people who make this field so wonderful and vibrant. And we do love getting these CDs, and we love hearing from our listeners. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at our website at relevanttones.com. I'm going to turn now to an interesting new disc on the Analecta label. This is the Kitchener-Waterloo Symphony playing music of three different composers. All three of them have a very strong background in rock as well as classical. Nico Muley, Johnny Greenwood, and Richard Reed Perry. And I want to play for Heart, Breath, and Orchestra by Richard Reed Perry, who is the founder of the rock band Arcade Fire. I hope you'll indulge me. I'm going to read a little bit of the liner notes because it's a pretty fascinating description of the piece. This piece was based on using the quiet, varying internal rhythms of the human body, specifically our heartbeats and our breath, as the essence of the music. There was no actual tempo or meter built into the piece. Instead, the individual breathing rates of the conductor and soloist were used in combination with each performer's individual heart rate to determine the pace at which all notes were played. The performers wore stethoscopes positioned over their hearts in order to play along with their own heartbeats. Additionally, the soloist was at times required to play in perfect synchronization with his breathing. The piece has never been performed exactly the same way twice and literally has new life breathed into it every time it is played. This is the recording of the premiere performance. We have the time, so let's listen to the entire piece. It's in three movements. This is Edwin Outwater conducting the Kitchener-Waterloo Symphony in Richard Reed Perry's For Heart, Breath, and Orchestra.
For Heart, Breath, and Orchestra by Richard Reed Perry, performed by the Kitchener-Waterloo Symphony, Edwin Outwater Conducting. I'd love to see how that score is notated, um, knowing that there's no meter, there's no rhythm, that everything is synchronizing to the the heartbeats of the performers. Uh, A very interesting concept, and I think interestingly realized. I almost wonder if they could have put a second version of the piece on the same CD, um, because in the liner notes they say that every performance is different, which, of course, I believe. I'm curious to hear a second performance of that. The last thing we'll have time for today is another Bridge Records release, and uh, this is two pieces by Melinda Wagner. Uh, what we're going to play is the Concerto for Trombone and Orchestra. And I'm just going to read a couple of quick things that the composer says. She says, I began work on my Concerto for Trombone and Orchestra while serving as composer in residence at the Bravo Vale Valley Music Festival. During my free moments there, I found myself gazing, in disbelief really, at the jagged, youthful beauty of the Rockies. Looking back, I see how fortuitous it was that I should begin composing for trombone in such a setting. Nobility and power, hallmarks of the trombone sound, are indeed words that come to mind in the presence of mountains old and new. Let's hear Joseph Alessi in the New York Philharmonic, the first movement of Melinda Wagner's Concerto for Trombone and Orchestra, Satyr.
That was the first movement, Satyr, of Melinda Wagner's Concerto for Trombone and Orchestra in a live performance by Lauren Mazel and the New York Philharmonic with Joseph Alessi on trombone. Well, I've had a great time playing these CDs fresh from our mailbag, uh, many of which are brand new, hot off the printing presses. I could play them all day if I could, but we are out of time. Do keep the CDs coming, though. We'd love to get them from our listeners, and I hope you'll tune in again to Relevant Tones next week. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders at WFMT. For more information about the program and the artists we've featured, you can find us on Facebook or visit our website at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible by the generous support of Grosvenor Capital Management, Carol Joins and Abby O'Neill, an anonymous donor, and the listener supporters of WFMT. I'm your host, Seth Bosted, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>